Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Joining me today is author and environmentalist, Heather White. She is here to discuss how to contribute to the climate movement through self-discovery. Our conversation today will focus on what Heather calls her seven essential service types. And after 20 years of environmental advocacy, Heather developed the assessment to show people how they can take action in their own lives. Her evaluation will reveal your unique hidden gifts that you can leverage for the climate movement. For those that are new around here, I release bonus episodes that serve a niche part of my audience. So if this topic doesn't fit what you're looking for, join me back here next Tuesday for a conversation you won't want to miss. And lastly, before we get to the conversation, if you haven't left a rating and review on iTunes, please do so. I'm so appreciative of anyone that has taken the time to do this. And really, I know it doesn't take too long, but it actually makes a huge difference in people being able to find the podcast. Since this is a bonus episode, there is no minimalist moment or resource of the week. So let's get into this conversation with Heather White. Heather, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Diane, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan and thrilled to be part of the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Today, we're going to talk about seven essential service types, and you'll walk us through all this and tell us what it actually means. But before we get there, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to the listeners and tell me, do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? Fantastic. Thank you, Diane. So my name is Heather White, and I'm an author. I've written a book called One Green Thing, Discover Your Hidden Power to Help Save the Planet. I am a lawyer, and I've done environmental advocacy for about 20 years. But what brought me to write this book was my children's concern about the climate crisis, and also the fact that so many people are worried about the climate, they're worried about the future that we're leaving our kids, and they're not really sure how to get involved. And I would consider myself a minimalist in training. Like I'm trying my best, but it's really hard for me to do, but liberating when I do it. And I think it's actually a great frame or paradigm to think about climate action because it's not about perfection. It's about progress. So I want to be completely Zen and I want to be completely minimalist, but I think the whole point is that I'm trying. Absolutely. I had someone on yesterday, don't be trashy. And it's all about (laughs) a great title. I I loved that. But it's all about sustainability, but progress, not perfection with it so that you don't overwhelm yourself and act at all. You don't end up acting. So I like that mindset as well with your new book, just how can we make progress, but not be debilitated, if you will. Exactly. Cool. Well, I want to talk about the seven essential service types that you discuss in your book. And I will say I have a variety of different people listening as with any show. And so I think that where I want my perspective to be is that regardless of where you fall in regards to climate change is that we could always be doing better personally. There's always something we could do. There's always just something that we could be helping with. Like, does that make sense to you? Absolutely. I mean, if you care about your kid's future, you care about the planet, everyone has a special sacred place for themselves. You know, they have um, a connection with wildlife. Everyone breathes air and appreciates clean water. So if you care about those things, then you're welcome. And I think that's actually one of the big motivators for the book, Diane, Mm -hmm. was that everyone is welcome. Everyone is needed when Mm -hmm. we're talking about the health of the planet and the future that we're leaving our children. All right. So let's talk about what do you mean by seven essential service types? And let's just walk through these. 
Thank you so much. And and one of the things that I did with this book is because I wanted to make sure people knew that climate action isn't about perfection, it's about progress and everyone is welcome. You don't need a PhD in anything to be part of this movement and to care for the planet. I developed this assessment, which you can take on my website, onegreenthing.org. That's the nonprofit I founded. And the whole idea is that you can come as you are in this movement. We need you. We need your strengths. We need your unique talents. And this assessment is kind of like an Enneagram or a Myers-Briggs, but it asks the question, who are you in service? How do you show up for the people that you love? So I have seven different personality types or service superpowers, as I call them. And the first is the adventurer. And this person really believes in hands-on learning, They love getting outside their comfort zone and encourage their friends to get outside their comfort zone. They're always ready for a new adventure and believe in kind of expanding your mind through physicality and time outdoors. The second is the beacon. And this is the person who's kind of out front, the person who's comfortable behind a bullhorn or speaking at the podium, who's not afraid to be alone, who's very focused on justice and social justice and equality. The third is the influencer. And this person is all about people, 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 connecting with others, sharing messages, making sure people know the latest news, and that's how they show up as influence. So that's the influencer. Then the fourth is the philanthropist, very big word, Diane, the philanthropist, you know, but the philanthropist is really the giver. The person who shows up by giving time, giving resources, and being there for others. Then there is the sage, which is focused on the spiritual connection to nature. And this is a really important service superpower to have, especially when we're talking about protecting the planet, because the sage can really bridge gaps that people have and bring people together as they're focused on kind of the bigger picture. And then there's the spark, which is the person who's kind of like, I'm in you know, the plus one to a party or the person that'll come with you to an event or to watch a documentary who's always there to support their friends. That's the spark. And then last but not least is the wonk. And that's the person who's into like the data, the charts, the graphs, the problem solving. And all these different seven prototypes or archetypes, I also have a 21-day plan for a daily practice of sustainability, which I call One Green Thing, that you can do based on your strengths and based on your service superpower. So the whole idea is that you don't have to be everything when it comes to to environmental protection and caring for the planet, just focus on what you're good at and try to have a daily intention every day of doing one thing for the planet to try to create that culture change that we need. I do love that when we find what our strengths are, regardless of what Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or a test like this that tells us what our type is, because it really does help you thrive. And that's the whole point of knowing ourselves in that way, because why would I waste time doing something that maybe I'm not as well suited for when someone else has that strength and then we can come together and bring our heads together and be more successful, I guess. That's such a good point. And I think that's a lot about what you talk about here as the minimalist mom, this idea of streamlining and doing what you can. And I think with the environmental movement and these issues of sustainability, some people feel shame, you know, like, okay, if I don't drive a hybrid, am I okay? And yes, I have Ziploc bags at home. Do I still count? Can I be an environmentalist? And of course you can. In my view, if you care about the future, if you care about the planet, you are an environmentalist, but you don't have to be perfect in all these things. You can focus on what you're good at and serve in that way to serve the next generation, 
to serve and care for our planet and our community in the way that works for you. And so that's kind of why I wrote the book and to really help you find that path that works for you. But I do believe that daily practice, that intention of doing one thing each day can really be a powerful force for change. Absolutely. So when you say just one small thing each day that may add up over time, I'm thinking about, okay, I could probably cut my time that I'm showering in half whenever I do shower, (laughs) those showers throughout my week. Sorry, I'm a mom of three. And so the showers are not happening nearly as much as they <laughs> I totally understand. I totally understand. Of course. Well, that's a great example. So it can be anything like that. It could be deciding to menu plan for the mm-hmm. week. So you don't have as many throw away the leftovers or compost the leftovers you're using mm-hmm. the food that you're planning for the week. It can be, you know, making sure that you're turning off the lights. It can be calling a member of Congress if you want to. It can be talking to your kids' school about do they offer sustainability education. It can also be, and I just need to make sure people understand this, it can be a walk outside. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I write in the book is like go out. One of the greatest quotes of Anne Lamont, who I'm a big fan of, says, Go outside, look up, mm-hmm. secret to life. <laughs> you know, that's our quote. So it can just be connecting in nature and the outdoors, especially if you're bringing your kids and giving them that downtime that they need in nature. That counts as a one green thing because that also restores our soul. And I think the important part. Diane, and I hear this, especially because I'm a mom of teenagers is, you know, mom, seriously, like a shorter shower or skipping the straw, like, come on, like, Mm -hmm. that's not going to make a big impact on, of course it's not. It's not about the math. Mm -hmm. It is about the practice and the intention that shifts the culture because Mm -hmm. we have to have the culture change for the big systems to change. Mm -hmm. And that only happens when every single one of us is trying the way that we can in service to ourselves, our community, and to the planet in a way that works for us, that capitalizes on our strengths, that's when we see that culture shift that we need. So we don't have to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Because the plastic products are made in the, and you know, if the Break Free from Plastic Act passes, we'll make sure that the people who manufacture products in plastic are the ones who have to recycle it, not consumers. You know, We don't have to spend 15 minutes trying to figure out, are we putting it in the right bin? <laughs> you know? yeah. The people who make it will. But that yeah. only happens when we all get involved. I keep thinking about the other conversation I was having about sustainability. And she talked about investing in higher quality items so that you're not wasting money every year. So replacing that item. And I was just thinking about how things, even from when I was a kid, like my dad still has some of the things that we use because they're still together. And the things that my kids have now, they just break so easily. Yes, it is because they're plastic and they are quickly manufactured, but they're manufactured to need replacing. Like they're manufactured to need replaced. And I was just like, this is so much bigger, it seems like, than I can even tackle. Like the fact that there are companies, that's how they're in business. And then I was thinking about innovation and it's like, well, if someone has an idea, maybe they do have to spend less on their products so that they can compete in the market. But yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking about all this stuff and it just seemed really overwhelming, which again, I don't think we have time to go into today. But I do think that when we go down those paths in our mind, it can feel like I can't make a difference. And why would I even try? Exactly. And that's why I wrote the book. You know, I call it a rabbit hole. You You go down the rabbit hole and then you think, okay, why does it even matter? But it does matter. And it matters because you're influential. Now, it doesn't matter. You know, I joke about people who are super focused on their individual carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like joining a health program and like losing 0.2 pounds every six months. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not motivating. It doesn't make a huge difference on the large scale. But if every one of us has this intentionality and 
does what we can do. We can make sure that companies don't have the planned obsolescence. We can say as consumers, that's not working for us. Mm -hmm. And I just love this idea of the minimalist philosophy of just making sure that you're just streamlining and focusing on what's important. And that's time with our kids. It's time for ourselves. It's for self-care. It's to think about investing in quality when you can. But for some people that works, for some people it doesn't. But the quality isn't just in things, right? And that's one of the things I'm so focused on. It's also experiences, you know, experiences, not things. And we can have beautiful one green things that experience together. It doesn't have to be a thing that we're focused on. Absolutely. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? That's how our brains work, so why don't we treat them that way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. I'm happy to partner with BetterHelp because I myself have benefited from their services working with my own professional counselor. Since having children, I found it much more difficult to schedule therapy appointments, but when I discovered BetterHelp, I was thrilled. I didn't have to worry about setting up a sitter or rushing to an appointment at odd times throughout the week. After visiting the website, I simply had to fill out a survey of what I was looking for and was connected with a list of counselors that would be best suited for me. I was able to quickly connect with her and I was able to do it after I put my kids to bed. Such a win-win. If you've struggled with trying to find the right therapist or someone to talk to in regards to mental health, this is something that I truly do recommend. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Minimalist Mom listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com minimalist. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P minimalist. I'm wondering more about you personally. What are some daily changes that you have made that a mom could also introduce into her lifestyle? Great question. First, I just like to talk a little bit about how I ended up writing the book. And that is, you know, for 20 years, I have an undergraduate degree in environmental science. I was an environmental lawyer. I worked on Capitol Hill. I ran environmental nonprofits. I've done all this work, but my daughter in 2019 asked to be part of the global climate strike in Bozeman High School, where I live in Bozeman, Montana. And I said, well, sure. But there was supposed to be a rainstorm and we don't have a lot of thunderstorms in Montana. And she had a really heavy backpack and a trumpet. And I said, you know what? Why don't I pick you up and I'll drive you to the site? (laughs) And she was so upset with me because one, you know, I was going to drive her in a fossil fueled car, you know, to the climate strike. And secondly, because it was a walkout, the whole purpose was to walk out of school and show that you really care. And then she just said to me, mom, you know, you're worried about that burden, but what are you doing on climate? You know, you can't leave this all on our shoulders. Where's Gen X? Where are millennials? Where are baby boomers? You know, we feel completely abandoned and we know, and Gen Alpha behind us, she's Gen Z, Gen Alpha behind us, we know what our future is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And I realized that these kids are sharing all this information on social media about climate and what they're experiencing and what they're seeing these extreme weather events. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I needed to step up my game, even with all this experience, to make a book that was accessible and easy for everyone to get involved. So that was kind of my answer to my daughters. And it was my older daughter, but my younger daughter was like, yeah, right, through mm-hmm. that whole thing. But the question you asked is like, okay, we get it, Heather. <laughs> 
know, where do we begin? So first of all, I, you know, I talk about the daily practice, but finding out who you are and how you show up is key. So if you're an adventurer, focusing on the outdoors, taking a friend outside, planning a picnic with your family, going out in nature, trying to identify what you're hearing, the sounds that you're hearing, what you're seeing, supporting a local land trust, that can be your lane. If you are a philanthropist and that's your strength, you can do a fundraiser if you want to, or encourage friends to give to what you care about, whether that's water conservation or whether it's wildlife, you know, work in that place. But as far as like daily changes that I've done, I really try to take a walk. I try to take a walk outside. I try to do the look up. I try to connect with nature every day. Five minutes works. (laughs) It really does. Five minutes shows scientifically time in nature can reduce the cortisol that you have in your body, can reduce blood pressure. There's all these health benefits. Another thing that I do, I talked about menu planning. I know it's not that sexy, but it really does help out a lot. My my husband and I joke that Google Docs keeps the romance alive. Because we know what's happening on Wednesday. You know, we plan for that. Other things, you know, walk when you can instead of driving, but that doesn't work for everybody. And of course, there's all kinds of things that you can do around your house. Just be more mindful. I say vote with your wallet. Be more mindful of the products that you buy. Try to choose less toxic products that are recycled. And then one of the things that some people, you know, if you're a beacon, this will work for you. Other people don't feel comfortable, but it's actually really fun. Mm -hmm. Call 202-224-3121. That is the congressional switchboard. And whenever you have a downtime, you're waiting for your kids, you know, in between different activities they're doing, just call your member of Congress to type in your zip code and say, hey, I want strong climate legislation, or I want to make sure you're protecting wildlife and tell them what you think. It's their job to hear you. And it does make a difference. It really does. The other thing I'll say, especially as busy moms driving from point A to point B, Mm -hmm. oftentimes is just try not to idle. I live in Montana and when it's minus 20, it's hard not to idle. Because everyone's going to freeze. But when you can't, likewise, if you're in Atlanta and it's August, it'll be different. But there really is a lot of air pollution that's emitted from cars in that idling. And you can make a difference by just turning off the car during that time period. So those are just a couple of ideas, but I have all kinds in the book just based on what your interests are and what you care about. And the book is also like a self-help book. So I have lots of journal prompts about, you know, what do you care about? What's a natural area that's important to you? Think about who in your life has made a significant difference to you and mm-hmm. what type of ancestor do you want to be? So it's a really fun kind of journaling book. It's a book about self-discovery. So you can find those one green things that work for you in your life and mm-hmm. for your family. I'm hoping to have, I'm like, fingers crossed. There's a man named Stephen Ranella, and he talks about conservation, like animal conservation and hunting. His idea of hunting is to make sure that you're using every part of the animal. Like it's not going to be wasted and Again, I don't know your beliefs in regards to hunting, but I'm also thinking if we were really intentional in that manner too, like people that were sourcing food and that we were being respectable to the land and conserving and only using what we need. I think that's a really huge part to this that maybe we're not even thinking about. Hunting typically seems to be like one side of the aisle versus another politically, would you say? Or am I making sense? You're making perfect sense, but it really just depends. I think that in my personal experience, I used to work for the National Wildlife Federation. They published Ranger Rick magazine, if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And a large portion of their members are hunters and anglers. And they're Mm -hmm. huge voices and huge advocates for conservation. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on what animal you're talking about and who you're talking about. And I think that's the most important thing. When I talked about the shame that people feel, the environmental movement, we haven't done a great job of being as inclusive 
inclusive as possible. And one of the things that Brene Brown says Mm -hmm. is that, you know, people are hard to hate up close, you know, move in and get to know people. And hunting, of course, is part of our heritage. I live in Montana. Mm -hmm. I'm from Tennessee. My uncle was a taxidermist. I I even write about this in the book, you know, so it's not something that I personally do. I do Mm -hmm. fish every now and then because I think it's fun. And I live in Montana and fly fishing is incredible, but it's not about good or bad. It's about the outcomes that we want Mm -hmm. and what is the future that we're all working together. And that's one of the things I have in this book, Diane, that I think may resonate with moms and they're really short journal prompts. You don't have to write an essay. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to be graded on this at all. Mm-hmm. But what could we build together? What could 2050 look like mm-hmm. if we all were focused on a healthier, greener planet? And yes, hunting is going to be part of that. It's going to be part of our culture. Mm-hmm. But people have strong opinions either way. You can support the movement in whatever way that works for you. But in my experience, a lot of hunters have been great conservationists. I will tell you a huge controversy right now in Montana about wolves because there were quotas and the state just removed the quota for hunting. So not having that regulation has meant that entire wolf pack in Yellowstone National Park is gone. That is devastating for me personally. So I think it's just all about being a proper steward, really thinking about the long-term impacts of what you're doing. But there's a lot of great actors out there in conservation. I am a massive animal lover. And so the fact of any animal ever dying is heartbreaking to me. Sure. I don't even like to kill bugs in my house, but, sure. but you're right. Like it, if we could regulate what animals that are, because some, some animals will overtake different areas and end up killing part of the ecosystem because they're hungry. And so, yeah, I think it's all very, it can be very messy, but if we are listening to each other, like you said, and having these face to face and it's not, I don't think this necessarily has to be political is I think that that's always my fear in talking about things like this as people come into it with these ideas, but it it doesn't have to be that way, especially when we can have these types of conversations where we have so much in common, you know? Exactly. And and I break that down in the book and I talk about things like the Endangered Species Act. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, even though I just, I promise the book is an easy read, even though I just said things like the Endangered Species Act, but I just, it's a nice kind of 101 to know like what are the rules and regulations out there. So we've had some huge, huge wins when it comes to conservation and working with the hunting community. Mm -hmm. For example, grizzly bears have been recovered in Yellowstone, which is amazing. It's it's incredible. That said, they're not in 90% of the places they used to be. (laughs) So there's a lot of work that we have to do. So it just, these conversations to kind of your point earlier about the rabbit hole, they Mm -hmm. become complex, which is why I just think that minimalist philosophy is really important. Do mm-hmm. one thing each day that is aligned with you, that is connecting to the planet and the future we're leaving our kids and mm-hmm. the way that you define it. And I have all kinds of suggestions for you. If it's a walk in the woods, mm-hmm. that's great. For other people, it may be a call to a member of Congress. For other people, maybe I finally remembered to bring my bags to the grocery store. <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. you know, But that daily practice and making it a habit mm-hmm. can be that powerful force for the culture change. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for going down that hunting rabbit hole with me. I'll I'll leave that on hold for now, but I do know what is a final word you have to leave with listeners, maybe a challenge or just any word that you want to leave them with? I think the word is, you know, I think it's progress over perfection. And I think it's also welcome. We, you know, we need you, we need your unique talents in this movement. And I know that's not just a word, Diane, I'm sorry, a law, that's the lawyer me. (laughs) And then experiences, you know, experiences over things, even though I wrote a book with the word thing in it, the one green thing is really about that experience and that intentionality. And, and you really are the superhero that the earth needs right now. We need everybody and we need you to be involved and thank you. Great. Well, Heather, where can listeners find you or grab a copy of your book if they want to connect? Fantastic. Well, my book is available anywhere that you love 
love to buy books, your local bookstore, Amazon, Bookshop, IndieBound, Barnes & Noble. It's everywhere there. And the best way to connect with me is at onegreenthing.org and at onegreenthing on Instagram. And my personal website is heatherwhite.com and at heatherwhiteofficial on Instagram. And would love to connect with you there. Thank you so much, Diane. Great. Well, Heather, thank you so much again for sharing with us. And I really appreciate your time today. Oh, it was such a joy, Diane. Thank you. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.